Welcome back to EnterTheRealWorld.com. This is the Will Be Movies, 25 of our favourite movies from a given decade. Volume 1, we are getting towards the end now, episode 23, is focusing on the years 2000 to 2009, and episode 23 will be Moon, but I cannot do this alone, and I already acknowledge it's our favourite movies. The hour here, it's me, Matt Waters, and Ben. Ben Phillips, how are you? I'm good. I was less good yesterday. Yeah? What happened yesterday? I, I watched Moon. Good. Yes. Good. Approve Moon. And then I followed up immediately by going, I never saw Mute. Yeah, you and everyone else, buddy. We don't fucking know how many people saw Mute. Maybe Mute was one of the most successful Netflix movies of last year. Nah, they never talk about it. They never talk about it. You know it's not good. It's no Bird Box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's no Final Space Season 2, which I'm very excited for. It comes out today to date this podcast. It'll probably have been cancelled by the time you hear it. <laughs> Two seasons and done for most of us. This is Moon, which is in space, but it is not Final Space. And this was chosen by both of us. The last time I will get to say that sentence as Ben just closes out the podcast. Directed by Duncan Jones, who, until he directed this, was known for being David Bowie's son. With a great name. Yeah, Duncan Zoe something Bowie. <laughs> or Bowie, depending on which part of this country you're from. Um, Zowie Bowie. Yeah, Zowie prefer, Bowie or I, I Zoe prefer, Bowie. I prefer Zowie Bowie. I'm sure you do, but I'm pretty sure it's meant to be Bowie. But anyway. Well, no, it's Bowie because he's from Brixton. Is he? I've never heard him say his own name out loud. And we no longer can call him up and ask. Not that I could have done that while he was alive, to be honest. Yeah, Duncan Jones' debut movie. And the only one he made in this decade because it did come out in 2009. He went on to make the pretty good source code and also Warcraft. Which is, (laughs) which has the kind of dubious thing of being pretty good Warcraft movie, pretty bad normal movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What if we take this game that's mm. real time strategy told entirely from above and in like kind of cool cutscenes and turn it into a two hour narrative? I might start reviewing films this way. Uh, it's a, it would be a pretty good Warcraft movie, but it's not good as a normal movie. <laughs> <laughs> what would make a good Warcraft movie, but not a pretty good movie? Is this a good Warcraft movie, but not a good movie? Uh, Avatar is probably a good Warcraft <laughs> movie. What was the thing with freaking Tim Riggins? What was the goddamn Mars movie? Oh, uh, John Carter of Mars. John Carter of Mars, probably a good Warcraft movie. I will defend John Carter of Mars, will even you? if it meant Andrew Stanton had to like run back to Pixar to do Finding Dory. Will you do it? for 90 minutes instead of talking about Moon? No. Okay, let's talk about Moon. Oh, Duncan Jones did come up with the story, but it was written... It's officially credited to Nathan Parker, but Duncan Jones co-wrote it with him. Nathan Parker's debut script, and I have not heard of a single one of the movies he has written since then. I could list them. I didn't bother writing them down, but I remember looking at them and being like, I've heard of none of these, so... He did Blitz equals... 2.22 and Our House. You seen any of those? Nope. Right then. So Eagles they... has Nicholas Holt and Kristen Stewart in though. I'm ah. um, intrigued now. Ah. Everyone's favourite. 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nope. Yeah, there you go. Nope, nope. So this was released June 12, 2009 in the US. July 17th, 2009 in the UK. Uh, even though this feels so British. Like, I know you've got two big American people in it, but... So this is our first foray into 2009. So Ben, carte blanche. Highest grossing movies worldwide in 2009 we've got such classics as avatar Mm. the at that point in time highest grossing movie of all time yes 
Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the highest grossing movie of all time when this movie came out because it came out in like December. But then it just kind of like kept I mean, making it, money. <laughs> like, it's 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 that insane thing where like it came out at the right period of time where it basically had like all of January and uh, most of February to kind of like just run at the box office. Mm. And then you got the insane stuff like people going like, I don't want to live in the real world anymore. Yeah, I remember <laughs> all of that. We uh, at uni because I did film studies. Like someone, I think our lecturer brought up Avatar Blues or something like that, mm. and, it, and like directed us to this, and we were like looking at 35 pages worth of forum posts about like i stood in the aisle and cried as they tried to eject me and, and stuff and, like i've seen it 35 times i don't want to live in real world anymore yeah i think like this is one of the first movies that's like you see the kind of proper breakthrough like obviously like movies are doing better internationally but this feels like that kind of like breakthrough moment where international becomes so valuable to kind of a box office gross where like almost two billion of avatars three billion gross came from international markets and then eventually um, we start getting movies before the u.s but not yet <laughs> uh harry potter and the Half-Blood prince ice age dawn of the dinosaurs which i think is number three uh, Transformers yeah. three 2012 up the first good movie on this list after avatar <laughs> twilight Saga: new moon sherlock holmes angels and demons hangover the third good movie uh, sherlock holmes is okay it's okay it's okay I mean, hangover is okay i would rather watch sherlock holmes in 2019 than i would uh <laughs> hangover one but that what? is completely fair enough <laughs> alvin the chipmunks a squeak call uh, <laughs> sorry they deserve everything they get for calling it squeak call fair play to them uh, i can't remember is that the one where um oh god what's his fucking name jason lee no not jason lee oh. uh david cross where they like i don't know if it's the one where they're on a boat and david cross was like contractually obliged to be in the sequel but they just put him in a costume the entire time and he's just like can i go you don't need me until like the scenes with my face and i know you have to be in the costume the entire time and then basically he just burnt down his relationships with like mainstream movie studios in the press cycle afterwards excellent like i didn't want to be there i did not want to be there this fucking producer was like making me be on set all the time and that's why david cross doesn't do movies anymore yes 13 star trek i do not talk about anything else in this like top 20 it's really bad yeah really bad highlight if i scroll down a lot in 188th place we have moon Yes. Behind such classics as Taking Woodstock, <laughs> Harry Brown, uh. The Boondock Saints 2, mm. St- Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li. Oh, I remember that being on shelves. <laughs> Extract, which I feel is a movie you would like. I do like Extract. At one point, I was like, I could pitch Extract for this list, and I was like, it's not going to get on, so I won't bother. <laughs> but everyone who hasn't seen Extract, go watch Extract. It's quite good. It's not Mike Judge's best movie. No, but it's. Of, I, the, of the decade. I'd rather do Idiocracy. I haven't seen Idiocracy. I'll oh, go watch Idiocracy. I love Office Space an awful lot, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think Extract is, is good. I'm surprised it made more money than Moon. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made it made about two million dollars more than Moon. And then in terms of good movies from 2009, Device of Band or The White Ribbon, as it's known everywhere else, A Prophet, Inglorious Bastards, Up, Avatar again, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is so good. Wow. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. You had your chance. <laughs> a, a Serious Man, White Material, Fish Tank, Dog Tooth, Antichrist, if you ever want to see someone circumcise a woman on mm-hmm. screen. Yeah. You uh, don't. You don't. Uh, really lo- don't. Lo- lots, lots of good movies, but considerably kind of like most of them are less fun than what we are going to discuss today. Yeah. It's 97 minutes long. All hail the hour and a half movie. Just love it. You are automatically going to get more praise from me if you hover around 90 minutes. $5 million budget. Only made 9.8 million. And that feels so criminally low because... 
I don't know, maybe I've just overestimated how many people have seen it, but I feel everyone I know has seen Moon, and I don't know if they just all caught it on DVD or on television or something. I have to imagine that they did all catch it on DVD. Um, Did you see this in cinema? Uh, No. I did. I remember it being a struggle because, like, it wasn't playing at any Odeons or Views nearby. (laughs) I basically had to beg my friend to drive me, because I wasn't driving at this point, over to, like, the showcase cinema in Reading to go watch it. And then we did it, and they came out and said, like, wow, that was great. I was like, yeah, fucking was. Listen to me when I want us to drive to stupid places to see good movies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I'm hypocritical being like, oh, God, why did anyone go see this when I didn't go see it? But I hadn't even heard of it, I don't think. Yeah, um, I mean, like, I knew about it because I think what attracted me to it was I, I genuinely really like Sam Rockwell. Oh, who doesn't? What's the uh, rule? Half a star for Sam Rockwell. Yes, yeah, so half a star, whole star for Sam Rockwell. The only movie that doesn't pan out for is the movie he won an Oscar for. Yeah, so like, I think it was that. And then also Clint Mansell was doing the score for this. And I was yes. obviously my, my big Darren Aronofsky fan. And so I was like, I want to see a movie that he does the score for that isn't something like Smoking Aces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost talked myself into watching that earlier this year and then I just didn't. Yeah, so I went to go see it and it's just a good, fun, simple, in one location, British, very British feeling sci-fi film. Oh yes. It makes a ton of lists of like movies you haven't seen that are great and, and that kind of thing. And if you are listening to this and you haven't seen Moon, firstly, you're probably not going to enjoy the next hour of conversation, but secondly, go fucking watch Moon. I mean, it made, it made a quick Equivalent to about 250,000 US dollars in the UK opening day, opening weekend. Only opened in 57 cinemas though. <sighs> behind Harper Prince, Ice Age Dark Draw the Dinosaurs, Bruno. Basically, it opened up behind, kind of, because it opened in July, it's opening behind kind of like five of the highest grossing movies of the year. Yeah. Public Enemies and My Sister's Keeper in there as well, but like. It doesn't like, seem they, like a summer movie to me. No, it doesn't. It, <laughs> this really should have been kind of like early on in the year, kind of. I mean, I guess you would, it would get steamrolled if it had premiered kind of like in the Oscars, in the Oscar trench. Yeah, but, but it like, belongs more there than it does against the summer blockbusters. I think you could quite easily kind of play up some of the more kind of like scary elements of the film mm. and release it in like October time. Yeah, I, I was I, gonna say, or like a sort of around Christmassy type release, um, yeah. sort of November, October. Oh well, it has happened and everyone agrees it's good, but no one went to fucking see it. So <laughs> Duncan Jones had tried to cast Sam Rockwell in a completely different film. They couldn't figure out which part he was gonna play, so instead he made a whole film just for him. And Paddy Considine was second option if Rockwell hadn't committed. That also would have been good, I think. Yeah, Paddy Considine would have been good fun. So before he was doing films, he was making a lot of TV ads, and he had experience doing effects heavy ones, so he knew how to do special effects but keep your costs low. A very Deadpool 1 kind of thing. So in addition to it having a tiny cast, filming entirely in a studio, using models instead of CG, his sort of expertise, when they did need to use special effects, um, he knew how to keep it cheap. I mean, like, you see it in, there's the one shot they repeat twice in the movie of the kind of, like, a shuttle with a Helium 3 kind of going off, and it's the exact same shot later on the movie. And it's one, it it looks kind of janky now in... Mm. I think they get away with the repeated shots because of, you know, the nature of what's happening in the plot. It's it's thematically appropriate, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's just like, that looks a lot more janky yeah. than the model work. Like, the model work in this movie looks great. Yeah. I mean, mod- models have always looked great. I've been watching the Star Wars movies with my partner recently, and like, yes, there are points you can see they kind of like green screened a model onto a background, but like, there are times where it's just all model work, and you're like, yeah, this looks so fucking good. Yeah. Speaking of models, 
they were able to get the model maker from Alien, which was one of the huge inspirations for the movie. Like Duncan Jones wanted to do a sort of classic sci-fi inspired. I think he's, the way he phrases it, it's made for a sci-fi literate audience, which sounds wanky, but it makes sense. And because there was a writer's strike going on during the making of this, he was able to snap up a bunch of people who were suddenly not doing anything and, and get them on the film. And they also reused some sets from the abandoned Red Dwarf film. So there you go. I was going to say, like, the set look re- looks really good on this. Yeah, the sleeping, yeah, where his uh, his sleeping quarters, that is very reminiscent of, mm. of Red Dwarfs, certainly the first two seasons or three or whatever, but nicer looking. And yeah, it, it's a really good set. It's a 360 set. As you can tell in those bits where there's like the three bays or whatever, and he's standing in the middle and yeah, like they could move the camera everywhere. Yeah, I, d- I didn't realise they came that close to making a movie, because I know like the Red Dwarf Back to Earth was like in mm. 2009 when they broadcast it, yeah. but I didn't realise that they got to the point where they made sets for another project. I mean, I don't know how long it had been abandoned for when he snapped it all up, but yeah, at some point there was some momentum to the point they were making sets, so <laughs> who knows. <laughs> Kevin Spacey only agreed to do the film. They had to finish it without any of Gertie's lines, and then he had to watch it, and if he liked it, he would do it, and then he recorded all his dialogue in half a day. So. And that is the last time we'll speak of that man. Yes, we will. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing that this computer is voiced by nobody. Um, the f- <laughs> my final little thing. They've screened this film at NASA, and Duncan Jones was grilled by NASA employees, which seems grossly unfair to me, but <laughs> hey, I'm sure he took it all on the chin as they were like, um, why the hell would you mind for Helium 3 on the dark side of the moon? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I like I'm doing that about actual scientists rather yeah, than... Yeah, like, like, I like you doing the kind of like internet nerd voice to <laughs> criticise people. It's like, um... What is science if not internet nerds writ large? So, they set the scene for the movie with... I guess it's like going to be like a info video about Lunar Industries or whatever they're called. And it's just sort of saying, this is where we are. The energy crisis was solved... They've got deserts blooming with grass again, and it's all done because they have found clean energy on the moon via helium-3 in the rocks or something. It's, like, solar-charged, and, yeah, they deliver regularly to Earth from this station on the moon. And I think isn't it, like, each delivery can power 70% of the world or something like that? Or um, probably something, something like that. Like that. But yeah, I, know but... They, I know they say they, they are powering 70% of the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's probably that then. And we see via on-screen infographic, you know, we see the, the the base that this character works on and it says, like, crew one, contract three years. It's like, who the fuck would have taken this deal? And, like, obviously the, the shoe will drop later about the exact nature of this. But from the outset, it's like, what the fuck? Why would you sign up to be by yourself on this station for three years? <laughs> and we just see him going about his everyday life, driving his little rovers out to check on the harvesters, sending videos back to Earth, sending some of the payloads back, getting haircuts, caring for plants, watching movies, working on a little model village. You know, keeping himself busy. <laughs> but you can also tell he's getting like increasingly stressed out because he, you can tell he's at the end of his rope where he's kind of like more angry about certain things, he's getting these headaches and kind of like, just kind of generally like talking more to things than you probably would think is normal. Well yeah, I mean you, you'll you see that contrast in about 20 minutes, but yeah, and he, he <laughs> He says like he's thanking them for the foot they sent him a feed of a football game he's like it almost felt live and it's like 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and saying how I've only got two weeks, but it's not fair on the guy who comes next when he's talking about the broken uh, the communication satellite that allows live communication is broken, so they're having to do it via videos instead. And it's like, yeah, all these lines on your second watch because everyone watches Moon twice. Like as soon as you know the the actual deal, you immediately go back and watch it again. And like, oh god, it's all right there. Clint Mansell's score right from the beginning is. Uh, I mean, I feel you should talk about it because I think you're going to be able to articulate it better than me. Yeah, it's just it's just it it so thoroughly sets the tone so immediately, and it's kind of like it's less trailery than some of his other stuff, like the Fountain or Requiem for a Dream. Mm. But like, it just just immediately sets the tone, sets the mood. Mm. This like little plinky plonky kind of like electronic stuff. It's it's really good down to the point where like I'm pretty sure that Duncan Jones's production company that he he runs that did Mute uses the mute uses the Moon theme as its music. Ah, <laughs> so when it pops up on the screen, like I start watching Mute on Netflix, and then it did the like the opening bars to Moon, and I was like, okay, I'm like I'm I'm, I'm into this now. <laughs> and then. And that faded in about 20 seconds? Uh, I'll give it up until, like, Alexander Skarsgård was swimming through a pool and then, like, 30 years later, panned up behind him. Okay. It, oh, I didn't bother watching me, just in case anyone is listening to this. I will, Benjamin I will, subjected himself, but I... I will pepper in little rants about, like, why Mute is bad throughout this. Okay. I, I considered it last week when it was like, right, so Moon's next week. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe watch Mute, and then I just didn't. I went above and beyond. I had you to did. rinse the taste out of my mouth. I played the new Pokemon game, and then I watched Empire strikes back last night so oh, nice you won't see a better star wars film for a few after that we started return of the jedi yeah. and i was like i like most of this look 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 we can't wait, wait, but then <laughs> but then because it's the special editions okay the fucking cgi alien comes in and does a song at jabba's palace i'm like yeah no i don't like this bit but hayden christensen's finest acting we're yes. weeks away from that one no isn't it, haven't they put him into the end of return of oh the no we, did, we, did, we didn't finish return of the jedi okay, yet. yeah we stopped after they escaped from tatooine <laughs> Okay. So yeah, uh, he gets a video message from his wife. Uh, he has shown his infant daughter Eve, and then shortly after that, he burns his hand because he's hallucinating a woman sitting in his chair. Now, I think it's really fascinating, like watching the stuff, like the video messages from the wife, because I think they do spell out the exact nature of it later on. But you ask all these questions. Look, let's just fucking spoil it. He's a fucking clone. There are clones. This every three years they wake up a new clone. Blah blah blah. So it's like, are these legit messages from the first guy that was like did the original Sam actually do this for three years and then got to go home and then they were like hmm what if we just cloned you a bunch and they just recycled his actual messages from his wife and just cut out anything that would give the game away yeah I think I think that's are they entirely rehearsed written directed by some because there is someone like just at the edge of the screen there's like a guy like standing right there and it's like is is that original Sam is this someone from Lunar Industries is that even their daughter like you know I think it's a mix of both. I think it is a kind of like they have a representative of Lunar Industries in the room kind of there to coach her on what to say because she's saying like she's saying kind of very weird kind of like non sequitur yes. attitudes. They keep it like, kind of vague because it's like obviously they're swapping messages although later on the question comes out about how many of those she's even received if any of them and it's always just like I miss you too because you can bank on him saying I miss you and stuff yeah. like that and and he even notices that weird little glitch in it and he. he yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a cut. Yeah, he's like Gertie, and then just Gertie is just silent, and it's like, hmm, there you go. You're like this this little sci-fi creep is happening here, and 
I also have to ask, why subject him to this? Because what we can gather from the messages is that, like, the wife is sort of being like, I might have moved on. Or, like, the marriage is, like, breaking apart slightly or something. I think they're trying to keep him on the same track that original Sam Bell was on. Oh, yeah, but it's just... Like, like, like this this kept him grounded for three years. So if we kind of, like, do it in the exact same way, in the exact same kind of, like, mechanism, it will keep this Sam Bell but, grounded. Like, I don't know, you say it kept him on track, by the end of most of them he's talking to himself and everything, so... Sure, but that's that's three years worth of, like, being alone, and yeah. they can't have him live communicating because they need no, to No, I know be... they can't have him live communicating, but, like, could they not just get the real wife to record some fake happy messages on a... I, I don't know. It's I all... mean, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they did only take the kind of ones that were happy, or maybe they were ones where, like, well, he left Earth in this state. He's going to remember him leaving Earth in this state where she's moved out, gotten pregnant, and they're kind of, like, patching up but they've got this three-year rocky period and so they need to continue this arc which in the original one he, they obviously end up back together and like they raise the daughter together but like we need to this is where he left earth at this point and we need to make sure that the yeah. same trajectory is kind of kept yeah for sure i don't recognize the actress who plays no the uh, wife. she's a very irish name yeah but apparently she's queen mave on the boys oh really oh my goodness cool <laughs> she's quite good in that that's cool Alright, on board. Speaking of actresses, the girl in the chair is definitely Kaya Scodelario from Effie from Skims to a whole generation in this country. That is her sitting in the chair, right? Yes. Yeah, and it's like, how would that work? Because... Like, yeah, is, is it like some kind of like subtle psychic link between yeah, that's what the two Sam Bells? Yeah, are they like hinting at some kind of like shared spiritual memory type shit? Because he's never seen adult Eve and there she is and it's like I appreciate that's in there I almost think they could have pushed this stuff a little bit further where it's like something non-scientific is going on here but yeah it's just, it's just there and yeah they do, they do it twice it kind of more seeds the kind of fact that like time has moved on but like there's no they don't come back to it there's no yeah it's kind of conclusion. a dangling thread that like they're about to drop the big bomb on you so it's like you forget all about this but it's a, it's an interesting one for sure and yeah. you know afterwards when he's getting his hand patched up Gertie being like but when I came in the TV was off and it's like I think they're very much going for a Hal vibe here with Gertie I like that they subvert it quickly enough yes though. yes 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 I think your expectations going into it are like the computer will turn on him or whatever and it's actually the complete opposite of course that Gertie ends up like rebelling against orders and helping Sam do things thing is, I, I think I think that's something I like is that like technically Gertie doesn't rebel yeah true it's just like Gertie just interprets it. yeah Gertie <laughs> just interprets his messaging as being like well you figured most of it out I'm not gonna hide it from you because yeah. you'll just hurt yourself trying to like solve it properly yeah. like I'm not gonna murder a Sam <laughs> yeah so one interesting thing I don't, I don't even know so in the cameo in Mew the whole thing is kind of like played like a court case and so you go, you go down you see this kind of like court proceedings happening and and it's Sam Bell with Lunar Industries and the, the Sam Bell who returns from the moon, kind of like suing each other. And then like one of them kind of goes, like, I'm Sam Bell. And then someone in the back goes, like, I'm also a Sam Bell. And it's like, why is there a third clone at this point? Are there maybe like 150? There are, but like, or... have they dragged the one from the moon doing that current three-year stint that we kind of like leave up there? I think the idea is they legally had to wake them all up or some shit. Yeah, oh, like, okay. So they're all back. Okay. Isn't it like, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but, you know, I'm doing my research for this uh, isn't it like the 156 meet, meet their maker or something like that maybe I, 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 wasn't pay, I wasn't paying attention that much and I was there's just like kind of... 20 Sam Rockwells on the screen or something like that I, I don't know there were definitely three I didn't look at the background for any more 
Okay. It probably was like a whole day worth of shooting for him, to be honest. If probably is he the best thing in it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's actors in that that I like a lot. Yeah, unlucky. So, while going out to do a check on one of the harvesters, on one of the screens, he starts to see footage of himself with a beard and long hair flickering onto the screen, and he ignores it. But then he... Sorry, like, he's... I think he's still in the base when he's seeing that, but then Yeah, he, he sees in the base, but it's also kind of like, are you really this shit at, like, keeping the footage, like, locked down? I know. <laughs> but, like, you... Like, obviously, like, you've got stores, and it kind of, like, helps later on in the movie that he gets to see security footage. But, like, the fact that this could leak onto the main screen unless someone is like doing this on purpose Maybe. this base needs proper repair work yes but yeah then he heads out to check on the harvester and he has this hallucination in the sort of the dirt that's being kicked up by the harvester i think he thinks he sees another one of himself and then he crashes the vehicle no he sees kaya skeladaro oh is it, is it her again oh, okay yeah Sorry. he awakens scott yeah something like that effie from skins he awakens in the infirmary gertie asks him to stay where he is uh, and he does stumble on Gertie, apparently talking to Earth live, but Gertie cuts it out and claims it's a recorded video message. So the little tests that they're doing, I mean, they, they spell it out, but like while I was watching it, I was like, oh, obviously these tests are like calibration of the clones to make sure, you know, like at the beginning of a fucking video game where like, look up to make sure that your head is working. Re- I'm thinking of World War II here, but you know. Say, <laughs> what is it? Say duck. Okay, then... that's not it, but close <laughs> enough. Yeah, it's like, you know, under the guise of, oh, you've had an accident, we have to test that you don't have concussion or whatever. It's actually like, we have to make sure this clone is, like, calibrated correctly. And then they, like, fully spell that out about an hour later. But I was like, oh, wow, it's so clever. And, yeah, just this, the stuff where it's, like, Gertie secretly talking live and then cutting it out, like, that's all great, sort of, mild sci-fi. It's not really horror, but, you know, like, the tension of, like, something is going on here. And isn't it Benedict Wong and Matt Berry? It is Benedict Wong and Matt Berry. Benedict I've seen Wong Benedict Wong a lot in the last, like, month or so. <laughs> in between I know. Sunshine, Annihilation, this, and I think I've seen him in something else. Uh, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it's like, I guess the video messages that Sam gets, I mean, maybe not every clone is seeing the same two people and they just have whatever the latest two people are. Look, just pretend it's 30 years ago. Because obviously it wouldn't be the same people from before, but like, yeah, I guess it's like, oh, this is your first message from back home or whatever yeah i'm actually realizing you could probably do like a pretty fun kind of like science fiction movie sprint with just benedict wong movies yeah sunshine moon prometheus the martian annihilation sure yeah he's, he, he just does yeah. movies that shoot in england with a sci-fi bent he will he will kind of just do did annihilation shoot in england mm-hmm. oh cool i'm pretty sure there's a shot where sam is like climbing down I, I guess it's like a little i think it's like the area where he monitors the four harvesters and all of that shit he like climbs down from there and it looks like almost exactly like a shot from earlier in the movie and it's like again much like with the launching of the payload being literally the same footage it's like they're embedding these like repeated scenes into your mind to like really hammer home the motif and he does have that very disturbing dream where under the covers at the foot of his bed is himself from the end of the movie reaching up and it's like ah. uh, and again like you said like this sort of if they played up the sci-fi horror aspect of it there's enough footage in the trailer that in the movie that you could do a trailer of that like makes it look like it's yeah that's scary that it is like him throwing up blood into the toilet like the stuff going on with like crashing the vehicle because someone's out on the moon mm. it wouldn't be hard to, to you'd advertise it as a completely different movie but i could see it making more money 
if you did. Yeah, well, it couldn't have made much less. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it would have made it a better movie if they played this stuff up more, like within the movie, if there had been more of it in the movie as well. But they do definitely kind of abandon any pretense of sci-fi horror in favour of like absurdist comedy almost uh, quite quickly. But yeah, I don't know. They could have done a little bit more with is he it alone feel, up it here? Feels is like they're trying going on. It feels like they're kind of like trying to pad out time with like Sam before the other Sam kind of like starts interacting with him. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff here that's kind of like, we'll seed these things mm. that aren't necessarily related to the core thing that kind of like hint of where the story's going to go by the end. But not that they're struggling, but they're definitely kind of going like, well, we just need to have a little bit more to kind of, just to waste time until we get to the point where we can introduce the two of them. Because it's, it's, it's a super thin premise after this where it's all super interesting because Sam Rockwell commands the screen and it's yeah. all like like the super well designed and super well shot and everything like that but like it takes about half an hour for them to actually start interacting with each other doesn't it? Uh, yes. yes it and then does. like after that we're off to the races and like everything starts kind of like falling into place where the only thing that kind of like takes a while for them to figure out is why the communications towers. And then off. they figure it out and don't do anything <laughs> until the end. I was like okay you're just going to look at them you don't want to take them down now? Okay. <laughs> but yeah I almost think they could have filled this first half hour with like almost done a sunshine where they're like leading you down the path of one genre and then suddenly boom something else but not as badly as sunshine did that (laughs) but yeah they could have filled the first half hour with more like what's going on here and then surprise comedy clone film but yeah he continues to be denied access outside so he sabotages part of the facility to force Gertie's hand and let him go out and check that they don't need to do repairs but instead he just fucking makes a beeline for the crashed harvester <laughs> I, I do like this where Gertie's just like there's nothing wrong outside and he's just like yeah but what if there is he's like right but there's, there's nothing like, wrong just to check on the outside yeah yeah of course doesn't even look does drive <laughs> straight for it he could have actually caused some damage with what he did who knows yeah he goes to the harvester he finds the crashed rover with the previous Sam inside and he brings it back to the facility. Do you want to know how dumb I am? Not just the first time did I not grasp that the Sam in the rover is the Sam we saw for the first half hour. The second time I didn't grasp that either. (laughs) Even knowing there's clones, I took it 100% literally, crashes the rover, wakes up in the infirmary and then I was like, oh, it's like the cycle just repeats and there's... I was like, no, that's the fucking Sam you just saw, you dickhead. Anyway... (laughs) That was several years ago, though. I get it now. Trust me. Trust me. I promise I'm smart. I watch Rick and Morty. <laughs> I like the touch of him when he's about to go out, finding that his suit is missing, so he has to take a, a spare one, and that one of the rovers is missing. It's just all very, like, are you this? I don't know if he should immediately leap to clone, but I think he should be a little bit more freaked out than he is, that, like, he's the only one in this facility, and for some reason, a rover and a suit are missing. I, what I quite like is I think, like, it sets him up for being quite accepting when he meets the clone, because like initially the other one is a lot more kind of like yeah new sam is far more accepting of everything that's going on than old sam i wanted to call him original sam but very much not original sam i mean that's the thing is we can't even call them like by numbers because i this is sam four or five sam six is the one that woke up at the the, at the half hour point okay so sam six sam five and then sam seven is the one they wake up at the end yeah so like sam six is. i'm not calling them sam six and sam five i'm gonna call them new and old or or new and original, I don't know which, but... Yeah. No, ri- original is on Earth. I know, but just, look, when I was writing it down, I was writing original as in the one we first saw, but I realised <laughs> that isn't narratively appropriate, but I will probably forget to correct myself, so if I do, just laugh at me and we'll keep going. Apparently the subtitles credit them as Sam Bell, Sam Bell clone, and original Sam voice. Okay, what about the third one? Oh, he uh, the third, speaks, one, ne- the third one never speaks, so they don't have to put him in the subtitles. 
wonderful. And they also keep hammering home this, every time he's in the robots, they're searching for long-range comms. And it's just like, when you finally are gonna... It's like, you desperately want him to get the long-range communications. But he apparently spent however long driving out in these things and just hearing that and be like, oh well, they'll fix it when they'll fix it. I like the element of kind of Gertie going like, oh, it's very far down on their priority list. Like, we can still communicate with yeah. the station. We just can't do it live. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's not high on the priorities. It's not like you've completely blacked out in terms of it. And it's, it's a believable enough excuse that, like, a company that is being I don't as know, cheap man. as they are... They're making however many millions of dollars out of this. <laughs> like, oh, sure. But, like, you, but that's how a corporation works. Is they yeah, kind of I go, know. like, well, yeah. the margin rate on us getting this fuel is 10%, and that 10% is entirely devoted towards the fact that we invented fucking clothes. Cloning. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, I'm like, yeah, that this. is the sort of uh, the part of this where it's like, hang on, you just so you you solved the energy crisis, and then just on the side, you also perfected cloning to the point to the point that like we don't view them as humans; they are literally just a workforce. We put them in a way that they will disintegrate within three years, yeah. willingly incinerate themselves. Well, so <laughs> stupid that they will incinerate themselves. <laughs> That's the other part of this. I do think Sam Bell is a bit dumb, but. <laughs> He is also, like, an astronaut. So. I like that he gets inside the thing that, like, incinerates them and is just like, this will take you back to Earth. And it's like, hmm, there's no way out of this room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no There's no hatches. There's no... There's nothing. Sure, it will take you back to Earth. Why not? And they repeat this, you know, once he's gotten that second Sam back and, you know, drops him. Like, fuck you. They repeat the whole scene of him waking up in the infirmary. I think Gertie's dialogue is identical as well, almost. Where it's just like, oh, you're in the infirmary, you know, and and you see Second Sam standing there, arms folded in his shades and everything, and because he's not speaking, it's just like, Gertie, is there someone in the room with us? And it's just like, I think you should rest, Sam. And it's just like, oh, fuck you, new Sam. (laughs) I do do like the subtle things they do to differentiate the two performances. New Sam's kind of a dick. Old Sam is a fucking mess. Yeah, like, he's a mess. They've put the kind of, like, the 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 bandage on his... Yeah, yeah, to kind of, like, visually differentiate them. And obviously, like, they they have made Sam Rockwell up to be a lot more disheveled and a lot paler than the original one. And obviously, it only gets worse. But even at this point, it's like, there is... Oh, yeah. You never feel confused about which one is which, which is, for a movie like this it's actually quite impressive because you know you watch these fucking things with clones and it's always like oh which one's the original one we can't tell because they're visually identical mm. but they actually do enough of the shorthand to yeah. like and he's carrying himself differently like he's stand like the first one is almost military-esque like he's he looks like he's in better shape like he's sitting there doing the speed bag and everything and older sam he's like more hunched over and like you, you can tell he's kind of gone like i don't want to exercise anymore i'm yeah. bored of the exercising instead i'm going to focus on my model of the town we grew up and water in these plants. I'm not interested in speed bag and jump rope anymore. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. So, like, you know, Sam, first Sam recovers. Sixth Sam, fifth Sam recovers. <laughs> Look, the first Sam we saw in the movie recovers. Gertie confirms they are both Sam Bell, and he tries to, like, bond with this new one, but new Sam ain't having any of it, so... I really like his Sam Rockwell's acting when he's like I just I don't understand and he's like crying but it's not a proper cry it's just that sort of instant just sort of whimpering of like I just don't get it and it's just like yeah I think he nails these tiny little moments of just like a five second breakdown you know and then just 
getting his shit back together. And yeah, new Sam like deliberately punching the speed bag so that he can't hear him and he keeps having to like, what? And it's like, you know he's talking to you, just stop hitting the bag. Um, uh, doesn't he move over there as well to like be more on top of the sandals that he doesn't want yeah. old Sam to take? Yeah, yeah. Those, are so, those are mine. <laughs> they're being so petty. Yeah, and you know, he's like frowning on him talking to the plants irritated whenever he mentions the idea that he's the original and a heartbreaking moment when first Sam original Sam old Sam he's like I'm so lonely will you shake my hand and he won't do it and it's just like he's just he's been without human contact for what he thinks is well it has been I guess three years and just like anything just to touch a human and you know you say a sentence like that and it sounds silly and whatever but like yeah like I think that would very much be a thing of like affirm that I am real by touching me almost and just New Sam's like, nah. <laughs> just walks away. It's just like, oh, And, like, it immediately makes you dislike the newer Sam and feel so sorry for that older one. But what I love, what I truly love, is when they play ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> just how furious the newer Sam is when he's, like, <laughs> telling him, like, what to do. He's like, I know! Like, just fuck you! And, like, taking, like, part of his jumpsuit off. And... I love that he goes, like, you're, you're holding the, the bat wrong. Yeah. And, like, well, yeah, just... 19 too. <laughs> his whole demeanour where he's holding it in just this kind of, like, incredibly professional way mm-hmm. and what I did find quite funny is because immediately after this, like, he starts practising against himself. Yeah. And it's um, like, well, yeah, that's how I got here. <laughs> that's how yeah. I can beat you nonchalantly just standing there while you're, like, giving it everything. I yeah. just love the speed of their rally as well, that he just beats him so quickly. He's like, fuck! <laughs> It's perfect. Yeah, him folding the table. Because they fold the table down, and then he folds it back up, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, But I also just appreciate the fact that, like, when when I first saw that scene, and he goes, like, "Uh, so how long did it take you? I thought he was talking about how long did it take you to get good at at, at table tennis. And then you realise, oh, no, he's asking how long it took him to build the model. Like, he's had so much time that he's both become good at table tennis and has also built this model village. Yeah, and I like that he acknowledges that. I only remember doing these two buildings, and it's like, is that the thing? They just, this is six. Sam's worth of work or do they assume that the previous person not me definitely not me again had started this and I'll carry it on or is it just meant to be like oh I guess I did it all but I only really remember these last two or so you know it's like it can work as all three almost mm. yeah and just so they're told that a team are going to come and repair the harvester and older Sam <laughs> is like oh cool I can go home and they start arguing about whether the clones are already up here because of the speed of which this new set is like you know come on you think they sent me from earth to here in like what a day two days or something (laughs) yeah and so this they call it rescue team eliza or something like that eliza was the name of a computer program developed at mit that was like able to mimic talking to a therapist via like a text chat and it gave really like banal responses similar to gertie so i think that is supposed to be the uh the reference there but it almost applies more to gertie than it does the the team but yeah either way i like when they flash up the images of like the rescue team that's coming you look at them you go like they don't look like no. the kind of people you'd hire to work in space and <laughs> and be able to fix equipment. Obviously, they can fix the they equipment. They are there to fix it. the harvester as well, though. Yeah, I know, but like, they look potentially like potentially murder a clone. <laughs> and I think they are three crew members, uh, as in of the cast and crew. I think one of them's the producer, and and yeah, I like that New Sam grasps the whole situation so much quicker. Like he's literally a fresh pair of eyes, as it were. Whereas the one that's been up there for so long is just I don't know. It's that whole.
whole thing of like you know you talk about how people are too set in their ways to change and how like you're better at learning languages in the early years of your life and you're more likely to successfully learn to drive if you do it at like 17 versus your 20s 30s 40s whatever and it's like that being applied here where like older sam has three years of a defined sense of self whereas this new one is almost a blank slate so it's like he just readily takes to all of this and he just sets himself about trying to like uncover it all and he mentions the communication satellite and and all of this sort of stuff it's just it's a good beat where like the old one is like slow to accept it all and is only ever like one foot in until they like literally find all of it the one thing i'm a bit confused by is not not confused but like I love that you can kind of get the geography of the whole set. It all feels very connected and you can kind of tell how different rooms come off and you kind of get this big tour and the first big tour when new Sam is kind of like running around trying to find out where the secret room could be mm. and like kind of like wrecking stuff and old <laughs> Sam's just kind of like sat there at the table kind of going like, can you can you stop? Yeah. Like that's, that's the food. That's the food. Stop this please. <laughs> but he never makes it into the room where they leave. Yeah, I know. It's like, where is this room? Why didn't you, why does old Sam know about this a new one maybe yeah it's, it's it's such a weird thing where like whenever they show that corridor because presumably it is a part of a different set where like yeah. it's the red dwarf set as opposed to the bespoke big set that they've made it feels like it's kind of like in a weird way where like, i can't figure out joke geographically within this station yeah. where that room is i think the red dwarf stuff it's one of the corridors it's the sleeping room and then i get it might be that like incineration room i don't know but yeah i think it is certainly they talk about corridors being reused but yeah, yeah it, it's, it's just one of those weird things where like I they never go into that room explicitly in yeah. the big hunt and it's like mm, you probably would have found something you would have found the, the, yeah. the, ash, the ash at least I would think so I like that they lead you down this you sort of are expecting the hatch to be revealed to be under the model like where he's like oh it's under there like let's move all of this because it's like it's the one thing that he would never move or whatever and you're like expecting you know because he's like you know don't touch my model or whatever and then when he flips it he's oh you know you're devastated for him and they have this literal terrible fight but you know like he's like jumping on his back and like grabbing at him and and he's very like can you just put the knife down and everything he's like I'm not going to stab you with it but like no (laughs) and then like once he's got the knife out of his hand he then just leaves him alone Uh, or it's a scalpel I guess you're expecting once this sort of scuffles die down for them to move it and like it will be under there but it's not they just now have this like horrible awkward thing that happened just dangling in the air but then you also get where um, older Sam is bleeding like really profusely from a very minimal amount of force and it's because of the whole clone degradation thing where they are I guess they can only build them with like a three year half life or maybe they've deliberately done it because of the length of the contract or or I don't know but this is definitely a thing in sci-fi and maybe based in real science with clones that break down over time or whatever definitely it's a Metal Gear Solid which is a font of just (laughs) pure scientific accuracy and I, I do like that New Sam feels like bad that he's like oh geez I, I barely touched you man like what's happened and he's like he does seem concerned that he's like gushing blood from his face <laughs> yeah and, and then you see Gertie doing frowny faces as, as <laughs> yeah I do like the little the little smiley face thing emojis before we knew he needed emojis I know right and then he answers like old Sam asks him a lot of questions and he's like how many hours have I put into this model and I think he says like 300 or, or 800 or something like that and it's like it's how many this Sam has put it's like how many have I put in you know and it's, you get the idea this isn't the total amount of time spent on this little village between all of the Sam clones or maybe it is I don't know it is a long time 
telling Gertie about how Tess briefly left him, asking if any of his messages are getting to her, and just being like, I can only account for what happens in the base. And it's just, you're still waiting for that turn by Gertie, but it goes the complete opposite direction. (laughs) And Gertie full-on confesses, like, you know, oh, you remember when you arrived, there was a crash. There was no crash. All of your memories are uploaded and edited and everything. And just how devastating that is to hear. And again, that raises questions about, like, you know, presumably the original Sam did do this for three years and then they approached him and were like how would you feel about us cloning you will t- i doubt they i doubt they asked him i don't know i don't think they asked him maybe that's my take is that okay. like he, this, this happened and they just did it without informing him that they were going to be doing it i sort of thought the idea was that original sam down on earth is a disgustingly wealthy now like for hush money or whatever but i don't know maybe i'm inferring things well we never had a proper sequel have we no but yeah just this whole the idea of the edited memories is i think that potentially could have been explored more as well but who knows um so the two of them head out in rovers theorizing that the long-range communications are being intentionally blocked rather than the satellite is broken and sure enough they each find a jamming tower and then old original Sam vomits some blood. Older Sam vomits a bunch of blood, so he heads back. But he does end up finding the secret, the secret chamber of all the clones, the chamber of secrets, if you will. So I, I like how they sort of switch roles briefly, where it was kind of like new Sam was deliberately not listening to older Sam by like punching the the, the speed bag and everything. And then you get older Sam refusing to stop listening to Walking on Sunshine. <laughs> He's like dancing in his face and stuff. Um, and throwing it across the room. Oh, speaking of which, like, I love that his alarm clock is I am the one and only. And I it's... am the one and only. Yeah, it's like, you're not, though. So at this point when he, like, is dancing along like a madman. Yes. I'm not sure why. Is it just kind of like he's completely dissociating from, like, the events? Because it feels like... I think he just finds it all so absurd and he can't deal. So he's just acting petulant i don't know yeah it, it just feels like a weird response at this point where like the his entire world has been confirmed to be like mm. crumbling away to kind of go like right now i'm gonna be a child i'm gonna be yeah you look like a radioactive tampon you look like a banana with a yeast infection uh, <laughs> yeah. and i like that newer sam immediately tears the, that thing off and like <laughs> i don't know if he's in his underwear at that point and a t-shirt but yeah i like that he is so bothered by him that he finds him so irritating <laughs> i just think that's a really good little beat it's now almost been done to death but like it's something that i know um matt groening in futurama would talk about how he really enjoys it when a character meets a version of themselves whether it be a clone or an alternate universe version or a past version he really likes the idea of them like not being able to stand each other and paul rudd of mute fame and (laughs) he has made a netflix movie about just that and i'm sure it's terrible but yeah i kind of like that vibe as well i agree with matt groening all of the throwing up blood losing the tooth and then like putting his hand in the toilet to get the tooth out it's like geez don't don't do this and from this point onward it is just a relentless let's see how awful we can make this very attractive man look you know (laughs) and in act three he looks like proper awful but yeah sitting there throwing up all this blood losing the tooth all of that all gross. We see him unlock the logs. Like, Gertie puts the password in to let him... I, I, I like how kind of nonchalant Gertie is about it. Like, yep. Gertie makes the base level of, like, motions early on, where, like, whenever mm. Sam goes, like, it goes to Gertie and asks, am I a clone? And then Gertie goes, like, oh, 
are you hungry? I can <laughs> I can make you some food and like deflecting immediately. Just <laughs> there's someone um, in the room. You should get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously like it just kind of like spells it out quite blatantly later on. And then you get this scene, which obviously like Gertie's slowly making its way as Sam can't put the password in, mm. and then <laughs> you reach your hand up and you think it's going to do something bad, and it just reaches by types of password just in. Types it in, uh, and then just you see the various Sams like talking to themselves, not looking very well. And I think is it at this point he also sees all of the like the escape pod or what or the, the... He, see, he sees the cremations he yeah, sees the room go, kind of goes like a, the a like, bright flash, flash. Yeah, yeah. you also see a close up of his hand and like he's wearing a wedding ring it's like did the company just like buy like 150 wedding rings from the same supplier and just put each one on these clones like probably and then he does go and investigate the alleged departure pods draws that clear conclusion that this thing just incinerates them uh, whatever's left of them anyway and uh, yeah he digs up the floor and and in that room and when new sam gets back they go down there together and it's not that there's one or two there's dozens there i think are over a hundred in there and the score here right really changes and i really like it. it it takes on this sort of like childlike discovery type vibe to it where it's like in most sci-fi you would expect this to be a like heavy synth like like you know like oh my god the implications but instead it's treated as like ooh, look at this lovely thing we found but that's obviously not the narrative implication it's just yeah i don't know i I really like that sort of juxtaposition there and like none of the reveals in the film are treated in the way that sci-fi normally treats them like it's not a like surprise type film they just kind of no you kind of know something's up and then when the movie wants to give the information to you the movie just kind of like tells you the information because i like that it kind of goes like there's no reason that they're in intelligent and there's no reason why this information would be withheld from them like it's like the corporation is so high on its chances of like the clones never figuring out figuring out that they're clones like they're just kind of like confident that oh like they'll be incinerated they'll only one will exist at the same time we'll lock the the security footage behind a passcode and stuff like that there's no reason why they would ever suspect that there were clones Hmm. So we're not even going to program into Gertie that Gertie can't discuss it, discuss this with them. <laughs> yeah, and like we will give them enough to do, and we will kind of like say like, oh, it's dangerous to go further out of the kind of zones. They won't ever find out about why the hmm. the, the communications towers exist, and like all these different things will happen. And they're just it's just that complacency that like we don't need to invest more into this. We don't need to put in safeguards because it's never going to happen, and it does happen, and it really comes to bite them in the ass. I I like that kind of like capitalist complacency. Yeah, that they've got to this. Yeah, or that like they did the absolute bare minimum of like, hey Gertie, don't tell him he's a clone of me, and like they didn't bother to like add in extra logic of if he asks you, you can't tell, you can't confirm or anything like that. They just like, oh, we'll just put one line wherein just don't tell him he's a clone, and then they just left it at that because like, yeah, it'll be fine. I agree. These are the sort of like, I don't know if it's subtle, but the secondary thing of like criticizing capitalism, all four. So original Sam drives older Sam drives beyond the jamming perimeter calls home and realizes halfway through his conversation he is speaking not to some random woman but a his now 15 year old daughter eve his wife is dead and he hears off screen his own voice and quickly hangs up now i don't think that kaya is a bad actress (laughs) 
this scene is weird, and I don't know if she's trying to do an accent she can't do, or if it's deliberately, like, it's weird direction or something, but she's awful here, I think, personally. Or it's just, it's off-putting in the the way it's delivered, I don't know. It's it's very robotic, and... Is she off Skins at this point? I've got no idea how the know. timeline of Skins I don't lines either. up with this. Because obviously, like, she's mute for the first two seasons of Skins. She is. <laughs> and <Yeah>. then, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then obviously she's the lead for three and four. I think this was around when she was going to have started having her, like, spotlight in Skins, yeah, because I had just started uni, I think, when her series had started, and that was... Oh, actually, no, that would have been, like, 2007, 2008. Series 3 aired in 2009, so it would have been the same. They probably would have filmed it at the same time. Yeah, exactly, but I don't know, but I just think she's not great here, and she's generally fine to good, so... I don't know what happened. I don't know if they gave a weird direction, or they just didn't give a shit, or what but I think she's real bad <laughs> but, and then yeah his obvious his breakdown the music the the shot of like the camera pans around the side of the rover and below it and looks up at the earth and it's it's all really beautiful but against this man just falling completely like disintegrating like having to absorb all this information and you know the, the classic sci-fi of <gasps> original Sam is there or whatever and like not even taking into account the fact surprise you're a clone but then also surprise it's been 30 years or or 15 years I guess technically <laughs> yeah that's the other part where the, this lost time so while he's out doing that new Sam has Gertie awaken a third clone and their plan or his plan is to dump this new one into the crashed rover and then when the rescue team come and find that clone he'll remain behind and be the freshly awakened one and old Sam can get launched back to earth the helium 3 delivery mechanism before that like you get older Sam teaching new Sam how to carve properly and like you know, you're holding the the knife like wrong you need to like cut like close and away and and like them starting to actually bond after all of this bickering and stuff and you know seeing original Sam just constantly feeling cold blood coming out of his nose showering fully clothed just looking a fucking wreck you know (laughs) and then newer Sam having to nag him to put his hat on and and when he gets in the little helium hatch being like you come for he's like no (laughs) he's just like being like really grumpy I just it's a funny little uh this stretch of the film is intended to generally just be very sad and they threw in this little funny moment where he's like put your hat on god um obviously because of his condition old sam quite rightfully is like look put me in the rover you go home and we'll just leave the spare here and that can be the one they woke up and yeah new sam agrees and with only seconds to spare he programs one of the harvesters to collide with the jamming tower and then launches back to earth just as the team are arriving so the two of them as they're driving out to the rover like going back and forth on this on the story of how they ended up with tess only for like the older Sam to like drift off in the middle of it. It's like it's sad. It's beautiful. It's it's poignant. I I like that they kind of confirm he doesn't die because they put on the the helmet and he's yes. still kind of like subtly breathing. Yeah, and he gets his moment watching Sam fly overhead, which is really nice. I think. Yeah, and the score. I mean, the score throughout is great, but like there are key moments I highlighted, and this was one of them. Of of it here as the the whole escape is happening gertie points out you have to reboot me because they will find everything out if you don't because they will review all the security footage and 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 what happened with me and everything uh so just willingly lets itself be offed and then rebooted and i i like they do this but there's like three steps of kind of like confusion in there where like Mm. you think these people would show up and they'd be like 
huh, he's still in the, the medical room. Like, you think the clone would have, like, woken up more by this at this point. Huh, there's, like, three days' worth of memory loss from Gertie at this point. That's mm. weird. And then, obviously, then Sam Bell ends up on Earth and starts suing the company. That's the thing. It doesn't really matter how much due diligence you do. Sam was always gonna probably tell the press when he got home. Yeah, but it, it's still like this... If you consider there's only really three characters and two of them are the same person, this little moment with Gertie is, is quite touching when he, like, turns around to give him the switches to turn him off and then he, like, takes the kick-me sign off the back as a little sign of respect or whatever. <laughs> Although, like, new Sam wouldn't have this relationship with Gertie, so maybe he's taking it off because he's like, that's juvenile, and it's something that he would have done in, like, year two or something. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. like, when, you, when you're, like, lost on there, like, you don't know. It, it, it's that weird thing where, like, all, a, lot, a lot of the station looks really run down mm. and you don't know how much of it is. Do they implant enough memories of having done this stuff or are they supposed to be like uh no he thinks he's been there for a week doesn't he right okay i think he asks them like how long ago did you get here and he's like three years how about you a week or whatever <laughs> yeah so it's meant to be like early i don't know they replay that you're in the infirmary scene again with the newest clone who does start to like twitch his fingers and stuff and you think we're gonna have to deal with that where like that one is gonna wake up and be like what the ever-loving fuck is going on <laughs> but they don't really do that i mean it made the movie half an hour longer just have them rerun that start of the movie again <laughs> yeah and then the film just ending with that live feed available thing on the screen and the audio montage of him giving testimony and then it's like their stock prices have slipped but then the very last line is like someone like a shock jock essentially being like oh he's a lunatic just lock him up next call and it's like that almost sinister it doesn't matter they will persist type thing you know like they'll get over this like they'll rebound they'll rebrand and it will just keep going uh, but then obviously Mute does could has like the company still exists but they are being they, sued their stock prices have fallen but they're obviously still kind of like yeah they're still uh, going the, the, yeah <laughs> they label him Clone 6 and I think and on the commentary, Jones says that he's got a canister with him in the little escape thing that contains $15 million worth of helium-3 so that he can like be rich in his only three years of being alive or whatever, which is fun, I guess. But yeah, I think it's a very traditional sci-fi ending of like, on the one hand, they've bro he's broken the cycle a bit, like he's allowed him live communication, but you have to think that they would actually just repair the jamming tower, probably, and also maybe it is gonna continue on, but then Mute obviously does what it does. But yeah, I think it is bonkers that he gets out of that thing with like less than three minutes and like goes and programs <laughs> the fucking harvester to run into it but whatever it's it's fun and like seeing the guys step through the door literally just as he's sealed himself away or whatever like sam buddy we're here to murder you it's a great film i just it's so well acted by sam rockwell and so well scored and it looks really beautiful in a you don't see a lot of sci-fi like this anymore i think there is also so much fertile ground to have explored some of this even more and it's a shame that what he eventually came out with was mute and it's not that it needed a which, sequel, which is a script but... that which is a script he wrote beforehand did he really yeah mute was a script they had before is that they probably had what he was gonna try and get sam rockwell to be in maybe i can imagine him courting sam rockwell for the paul rudd character or maybe the justin through character the pedophile the pedophile oh god that movie's bad 
<laughs> so I think it's interesting to talk about this in context of kind of like where Sam Rockwell was at this point. Like, is mm. this is probably Sam Rockwell's best leading man performance because Sam Rockwell's kind of very much more of a flavoring you kind of put into a movie as opposed to a, a lead. Yeah, you toss them into Charlie's Angels and watch him chew the scenery. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It's like like he chews scenery, like he does chew scenery in like The Green Mile and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and way, Galaxy way Quest. Way way back. Yeah, uh, he's good in that. Like, Gal- Gal- Galaxy Quest. He's so good in. Yeah, choke. He's in. <laughs> I don't think that's a good movie, but I think I remember him being. I mean, good he chews scenery in Iron Man too. He <laughs> does. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> Which, which it's quite funny that like this and we done wrestler and this back to back and then obviously both of them i think their first role after the those movies is they do iron man 2 yeah. it is the one true constant for all actors they will, <laughs> they will have their potentially best acting performance and then they will make iron man 2 <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously almost 10 years later he does three billboards yes he does and he which, made that which... awful looking film with anna kendrick where he's a hitman and like that's the thing is i feel like now that he's he's won his Oscar like kind of like the strength of Sam Rockwell is kind of like something to dissipate and like he's not bad I really want him to do better I want him to be in more films good films I don't know why isn't he I mean like he's done enough kind of good things I mean like I enjoy him in in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy but then he's like completely nothing in Vice like where he plays George W. Bush and it's like and he got an Oscar nomination for that did he really? yeah he got an Oscar nomination for playing Bush in Vice and he's in like two scenes it's this weird thing where like he goes from being someone who I'm excited to see in all these movies where he's great in Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford I will go see Jojo Rabbit even though I'm not not convinced I, I'll enjoy Jojo Rabbit, but like that feels like the good a good use of Sam Rockwell. Yeah, but we'll see. He's not in um, Seven Psychopaths, is he? He is in Seven Psychopaths. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he... good, he's good fun in Seven Psychopaths. I just okay. think Seven Psychopaths is a, a massive step down from in Bruges. Well, apparently he's going to be in Richard Jewell. Okay, which is the 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 new Clint Eastwood movie about the guy who was suspected of being the 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 Boston bomber. I'm not on board for Clint Eastwood's Republican manifesto. No, the a- Atlanta, Atlanta bombing. Anyway, Sam Rockwell yeah, like, and more things, please. Yeah, Sam Rockwell, good, but like it feels like the last couple of years he's gone from being like something I look forward to to being. Mm. I mean, like, and he's obviously he's always done bad stuff. Like G Force, he's in. Uh, <laughs> he did Cowboys and Aliens. He's in The Sitter. But even when he's in something kind of like not great, like Iron Man Two, he's the best thing in it. Yeah, generally. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then you get this where he is the only thing in it. So <laughs> yeah, he... I was gonna say right. So the writer goes on to do very little. Duncan Jones makes one more good movie, which he didn't write. Is the one movie in his oeuvre that he did not write. Okay, that's important to know. Then how did they manage to? capture lightning in the bottle and make a tremendous movie in their first at bat and then just go on to do almost nothing and is it just that like 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 i think it would have worked with paddy considine i think it would have done even less money than it did with sam rockwell but is it just the strength of getting the right person and the right aesthetic and stuff? i think i think it was it's literally a combination of all those things where sam rockwell was the right person at the right time to do this like he could front this movie Duncan Jones wrote a story, and I think he doesn't have issues as a story writer. Yes. 
Like, I, I can see a, there's an interesting version of Mute that probably could exist. It probably would need to be handled by someone with a bit more subtlety mm-hmm. and someone who isn't trying to jam it full of kind of like Blade Runner-esque hand, <laughs> hand gestures. And so maybe you have a writer who does have a, a grasp on structure that kind of comes in and crafts this into a thing that's interesting with, is it Nathan Alexander? Nathan Parker, I think. You have Nathan Parker who obviously has the strength of kind of like a structure of a movie. Or does um, he? Because he's written nothing notable but like, but like, But maybe he just hasn't had an idea. Like it yeah. took Duncan Jones to have the idea. It took someone with a base level ability to write. And then you have to wonder how much of this movie was improvised on set. Look, I'll tell you what would fix all of this. Just get Alex Garland to write write Duncan Jones movies. <laughs> I mean, yes, but Alexander Garland is done doing that now. Now that he's... Yes, now he's directed two films. Um, yeah, as, as as was recently pointed out by our sister podcast, Superhero Pantheon, like, Alex Garland got uh, kind of, like, a taste of directing a movie with Dread. He's not the credited director, but obviously he... Like, I think the, the surrounding mythos around Dread now is that, like, Garland took that movie to the finish line, and even Carl Urban's like, yeah, no, he directed that movie. Yeah. Like, it is Alex Garland's baby, not yeah. Pete Travis's. Look for forward to Ben and I reviewing Dread in a future episode, even though we said we wouldn't. Just... Yeah, we'll do, we'll, do, we'll do Dread and then we have a coin flip of which one, whether or not we do Ex Machina or Annihilation. <laughs> it's going to be Annihilation. Anyway, that's Moon. It's great. More people should see it. You know, while there is a lot of ground to explore more of it, I mean, I know they've gone and made Mute and they haven't made it an explicit sequel, but it's a good example of something that is just a one and done and is just intriguing in the sci-fi space and huh, space. And that's Moon. <laughs> yeah, and I will never watch me, I don't think. But you did, and I salute you for it. And as a reward for having to suffer through that, next week, you are going to make me watch a Quentin Tarantino film, as we do in Glorious Bastards. Yes, You're very my favourite Tarantino movie. I am not looking forward to this at all. Yeah, I think it's really good. I will do my best to keep my Tarantino... We're going to have like a 20-minute conversation about just Quentin Tarantino and generally next week, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. I salute you in that we are finishing off the first season of this with two movies that are in a genre that you dislike. I don't like war movies and I don't like Quentin Tarantino. And our last two movies are Inglourious Bastards and Spoilers Hurt Locker. So (laughs) there you go. Yeah, you know... Sometimes, in the spirit of Christmas, you have to do things that your friend would like to do instead of what you would like to do. So buy Zombieland, and I will watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. That is for next time. Do stay tuned to EnterTheRealWorld.com, listen to Superhero Pantheon, Flooping the Pig. There should be a new episode of Mars Investigated any time now. Mike and I have got a Christmas special coming up. Another pair of unconventional picks. We are on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher and everything. We're on everything. If we're not on something, tell us and we'll be on it we're on youtube for goodness sakes we must go now and not watch mute but i'm gonna go watch final space yay thanks ben thank you for uncovering the mystery of the clones of sam bell but there is another mystery will there be movies not movies you like 